This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, my name is Peter Tomasi. Hi, this is James Hyman IV. Hi, I'm Dan Jurgens. Hey, I'm Duff Lewin. This is Jim Lee. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Mark Hamill speaking. This is Kevin Conroy. This is Tim Sale. Hello, everyone. I'm Batman, and you're listening to my podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, Season 12, Episode 14, following our epic legacy episode number 300. I thank all the people who tuned in last time, but we're back to our normal nonsense, and this will be myself and my regular co-host. I'm Ian. This is Steph. This is Studio. We have a few big pieces of news, and then we'll get right to our single review for the episode, which is Batman number 93. First piece of news is the Three Jokers is coming with promotional items. I love these little feelies, as they call them. They're little playing cards with Batman and Joker and other characters from the series drawn by Jason Fabok, the series artist, and colored by Brad Anderson. From what I understand... If your store orders 25 issues of Three Jokers, then they'll get a pack of 25 promotional cards. So that will be pretty exciting. Do you guys think this is a fun idea? I mean, I obviously think it's a fun idea, but how do you feel about these kind of additional promotional items for for comic books? Anything that gets people in. And I think today, you know, you have to have a little extra something with your books because that's what sells and gets people in the store. So I think if it gets people in the store, gets people buying stuff, it's a good idea. And people love trading cards. I, I agree. Now, now back in the day, I used the trading cards and they did pretty well from, from the standpoint of getting people to buy. Now, again, you know, this was back in the nineties, you know, when the speculation market was, was really out there. But yeah, if anything that that allows people to come back into uh, comics, I'm okay with. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think that having fun things that sort of celebrate and you can show off and have added value for both collectors and people who are new to the comics are, are really cool. I got one of the Legion rings with the new Legion of Superheroes. I remember getting a com of Grayson's ID card way back when the Grayson uh, Super Spy series was going on. They gave out maps, or no, blueprints for the Bat Armor when Jim Gray- Jim Gordon was Batman. So all these cool things I, I just really like. You keep them, I keep them in my lawn box next to my comics so they're just a little fun thing that you have. Our other piece of news is that Detective Comics, as I predicted... <laughs> is doing another anniversary issue. So last year, we had Detective Comics 1000, and that was a 100-page spectacular similar to the 80th anniversary Joker and Catwoman we did for episode 300. However, we're getting Detective Comics 1027 as the 1,000th anniversary of the first appearance of Batman in Detective Comics number 27. Now, I know some people are going to be like, mathematically it should be 1026 because that's really a thousand but oh my gosh you can't really market 1026 when is the thousandth anniversary of of 27 so i think that that marketing decision is perfectly fine this is going to be a truly unless unless you're one of those who 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 also fuss because they there's also been at least two detective comic zeros out there well, and you could also argue that annuals and like the Villains Month had like five separate specials and all that stuff. So I think that I, I don't think it really matters because they were careful in the way they did it and they were clear with what counted and what didn't count. Like I've gone through what, what they've gone. And Detective Comics, with the exception of the New 52, has never renumbered. 
So it was only renumbered once, and then it went back to its old numbering. So I think it's totally fair and really cool. Um, I will give DC credit with this. When when it comes to, to legacy counting, they've done a much better job than Marvel. Oh, yeah, definitely. Partly because they tend to legacy number series that are a little easier to follow. Marvel, at this point, has just done so many relaunches, it's ridiculous trying to figure out what their actual numbers are. So... This one will be, it says, a 144-page anthology with enormous numbers of creators and covers and all kinds of things. So let's do a quick rundown of the stuff we're going to get. It will have a normal story, and I am personally predicting that this story will be a full comic page length of 20 or 22 pages by the current creative team of Detective Comics of Peter J. Tomasi as writer and artist Brad Walker. Then we're also getting 10 other stories. So 11 stories total have been announced. Greg Rucka and Eduardo Riso, Grant Morrison and Chris Burnham. Tom King and Walt Simonson. James Tynan IV and Riley Rosmo, Dan Jorgens writing and drawing. Cool dude. Marv Wolfen. Emanuela Lupacino and Bill Sienkiewicz, which is... Lupacino is very smooth and appealing, and Sienkiewicz is very sketchy and, and really likes to delve into the ugly side of life while still being really dramatic and beautiful. So that's going to be a really interesting combination. Brian Michael Bendis and David Marquez, or Marquet. Mariko Tamaki and Dan Mora. Scott Snyder and Ivan Rice, or Race. I apologize to our Brazilian listeners. Kelly Sue DeConnick and John Romita Jr. with Klaus Jansen. And Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky. That is quite a fascinating look at different talent and new talent. I mean, Chip Zdarsky is almost primarily Marvel these days, so him doing a big thing now. Hopefully he'll be taking it somewhat seriously because he's, uh, <laughs> he's talked at length about some of his, his sillier pitches, so... Back when Jeff yeah, Johns I, was doing uh, three Jokers, he said that he told DC four Jokers. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I thought Chip had, was was under an exclusive contract at Marvel, but I did he's too. Not. But I mean, he's not on Spider Man. I feel like Spider Man's probably the only character who makes enough money that they'll actually force an exclusive for the writer of Spider Man. I mean, he's he's doing great work on Daredevil, but Daredevil's never been that big a seller, so I don't think they'd force an exclusive on that. I just want everyone to notice that Kelly Jones is not on the list of artists. Oh, you're kidding me. (laughs) (laughs) There was much rejoicing. The silence that you hear from me are tears of joy. (laughs) I have to admit, I'm not a big fan of Eduardo Riso, but I'll take him over Jones. And I I appreciate that Jones is a good dude and he's been very hardworking. And I didn't hate the Kings of Fear miniseries like some people did. Was fine. I just, I also didn't buy it. Um, (laughs) I bought the very first issue because of one of the variant covers, and I still haven't read it. (laughs) Who did the variant cover? It was pretty interesting. That was actually okay. Actually, actually, and I think it was a a, a Jones cover that was the variant, and I actually liked it. I think he can do really good work. It's just that he's very inconsistent. Yeah, but nope, never read it. So let me ask this question. Mm-hmm. Of the announced teams, what combo are you looking most forward to? Well, see, I don't know artists well enough to just go, oh, yeah, I know that guy. But I, of course, want the James Tynion one to be awesome because he just did so good on tech before. And, of course, you know, Tom King. I mean, there's so many teams that I am excited about. Greg Rucka back on Batman. Even if I don't particularly like Eduardo Riso, I actually did check out his um, previous collaboration with Riso on Spider-Man, which is a really good, very crime story about Kingpin. And then Morrison and Burnham sounds like might be a throwback to Batman Inc. because that was the classic team for Batman Inc. Tom King, of course, and the fact that I know he's mentioned that he's wanted to work with Walt Simonson so badly. So getting the chance to do it on this kind of anniversary has to be so cool for him. 
and everyone knows I'm a big James Steinen fan, and I like Riley Rossmo. I know some people think he's a little too weird, but I think he does really exciting stuff. And he and Tynan did the Batman Who Laughs one-shot back in Dark Knight's Metal, and that was actually one of the better one-shots, even though I don't like the character. Dan Jurgens, of course, his art's going to be great. And, I mean, I can't think of a team where one or the other of the writer-artist combination doesn't make me excited, and most of them it's both. What about you, Theo? Well, I'm kind of interested, and that's only because I've, I've read a few issues of what he's done uh, with Jimmy Olsen, and I actually just picked up uh, his Adventure Man uh, from Image. So I want to see how Matt Faction does with his story. And it's going to, I've, I've, I've read a lot of Chip Zdowski, but I haven't seen much of his art, even though I, I guess it's out there. So I kind of like to see how that will go. And I'm hoping with JT's story that he could, I mean, I don't, I don't know how long or how many pages is going to be, but I could, I, I hope it's in a way he could tell, you know, he's always said that he had more that he wanted to do with tech. And I hope that he's able to, you know, do one last tale with the team that was there before he ended the series. And I kind of, I'm kind of interested in, in seeing what Kelly Sue DeConnick can do. You know, I know she's jumping off of um, Aquaman and, and going to do her own thing, but I like to see, it's good to see some new blood. Yeah. Even I though, think even though they're friends of, of, of Brian Michael Bendis, but. I think Kelly Sue could do an interesting thing with something like detective or maybe a Gotham Knights, you know, lots of, lots of intriguing ideas. And I think that with Bendis doing another story, the, the hints that he might take over a title or have a new Batman title like Gotham Knights or, or something are quite conceivable. I don't want to say likely, but I could definitely see it happening in the next couple of years. And, you know, we're talking about the teams, but I, I think more than anything, the real interesting thing is going to be the variants that come out. Well, let's uh, let's go through those real quick. So we had a big list. The normal covers a two-page, a wraparound spread by Andy Kubert. So he's the classic Batman artist with Grant Morrison in Batman and Son. And he does a pretty cool-looking spread with Batman Alfred, Robin, the classic picture of Bruce and his parents and a bat. So good, good, solid stuff. We have a Batman and the Joker variant by Mark Silvestri, Batman and Catwoman variant by Adam Hughes, Batman and Scarecrow cover by Gabriel Delato, Batman and Harley Quinn by Oliver Koipel, Batman and Bane cover by Jim Chung. Oh, man, that'll be great. Batman and Superman variant cover. Batman and Robin variant cover by Jim Lee. Batman and Batwoman variant cover by Art Germ. Batman and Batgirl variant cover by J. Scott Gamble. And a Batman and Nightwing variant by Lee Bermejo. So of those main cover, plus all the variants they've announced, plus I'm sure they're going to do a bunch of you know store exclusives, which ones... Now, we've only seen the main cover. So which ones by creative team and subject are you interested in? Oh, I don't know. I've one thing I've learned is don't don't judge a cover by its team because <laughs> everyone can surprise you and and your favorite could end up being something you never expected. But if past is anything to base be based on probably the Jim Lee cover. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of leaning that way as well only because again, I'm praying that the Batman and Robin is Damian uh <laughs> and he deserves it. Um I would also be interested to see the Batman and Catwoman by Adam Hughes. I'm particularly interested in the Batman and Batwoman one by Art Germ. I'm a big Art Germ fan ever since he did those great covers for Stephanie Brown's Batgirl run. But he's also done a lot of great stuff for Supergirl. And his covers for Detective Comics 1000 weren't the best, but I, I liked his cover for Action with Batman and Superman. So that would be really cool to have sort of a Batman and Batwoman next to Batman, a Superman and Supergirl, sort of a parallel of those two. Similar to what uh, Patrick Gleason did with the Bat family and the Super family, sort of looking in opposite directions. That was a really cool pair of covers. 
and I'm certain there'll be a ton of store, store exclusives as well. Absolutely. I mean, there was a bunch for the Joker, so I can't imagine that Detective Comics uh, 1027 wouldn't also get a bunch. So, let's move on to our review. Batman number 93, written by James Tynan IV, drawn by Guillaume March and Javier Fernandez. Their Dark Designs, Part 8. In the Wayne Manor Hall, Batman confronts the designer, revealing his deduction of the plans to take over Gotham City so far. The designer congratulates them, and they commence a duel with swords. Meanwhile, Catwoman and the Underbroker discuss the mechanics of Underworld Fortunes, as Harley and Punchline battle. Punchline gets the upper hand, slashing Harley's throat and pushing her into the sewer. Batman bests the designer, taking off his mask to reveal what appears to be a corpse, with the Joker's laughter coming from its mouth. Joker tells Batman that Catwoman is first to go, as he activates his contract with Deathstroke, see Batman Secret Files number 3, to stab Batman in the leg. Punchline shoots Catwoman in the back and takes the money she was trying to save for Batman, making Joker one of the richest men in the world. So, uh, first question, we have Guillaume March doing mostly the Harley Quinn and Punchline battle, but a couple of Batman sequences as well, and one of Tynan's favorite collaborators, although he hasn't worked with him quite as much as he would like, in Javier Fernandez, um, doing the other art, how do you think they blended? And do you have a preference of the two styles? It makes sense for the, if you're going to do two artists, it makes sense for the flashback to be the fill in artist. But the fact that Catwoman and um, <laughs> Jokerette is the only name in my head, Harley. <laughs> Catwoman and Harley are literally one room apart from each other. They're in the same scene-ish. For them to have two completely different artists, that really did throw me off. And I didn't like that as much because the art is so different. Neither is bad. I probably prefer Gail March over the other one because the other one just isn't as detailed. Seems to be just a little more streamlined. And... I just—that's a good way of describing it. That was the only thing it. that I had a problem with it, huh? That's a good way of describing it—the difference between the styles. Yeah. Oh yeah, because the other one—it's the who's the, who's not the Guillaume March guy. Javier <laughs> Fernandez. Javier Fernandez. Yeah. So it's it's not bad by any means. Like it's it's great, but yeah, it's definitely not as detailed. And so in that way, it's very obvious that it's a completely different artist. And the fact, yeah, like I said, the switching between the, her and Harley is a little bit off-putting because it's supposed to be same environment, same room, same enemies, and yet it's really different. Well, you know, a lot of times when, when you have multiple artists on one book, you'll, you'll have it where, you know, like Steph mentioned, you know, one is doing flashback scene and then the other artist is doing the rest of the book. Or if they're multiple artists, you know, you, they're they're pretty similar in design and style. This issue, none of that happens because it's just kind of scattered all over, and you can tell when it goes from from March to Fernandez and back again, and it could be kind of confusing. Now, great, granted, you know, the art is good, but. It, it still kind of throws you off that, you know, how that switch occurs with, with especially with artists who, who are quite different in style. And it's, not, and it's all within the same story. It's not like a flashback with one artist and, and the other artist taking over the rest of the book. So that was a little confusing, but again, the art was still good. I actually thought that they blended reasonably well I can definitely see what Steph and Theo are saying about it, it jerking them out of the story, but I've sort of gotten used to things switching back and forth with this double shipping. And I don't want to say that I like that, but I'm just kind of, it, to me, it feels baked into any of these comics now that 
we know it's going to be double shipping, so we know there's going to be multiple art, and that's just kind of the way it is. So for me, it's more a game of trying to figure out how they mix and when I when I can see the change. And sometimes the styles are so similar. So way back in Batman number, I want to say 67, which was the chase. They had Lee Weeks drawing about the first half and then Jorge Fornes drawing the last half. And I literally could not tell you when the change was. I can guess one of like three or four pages, but I cannot tell when it changes. But here, I know Fernandez because he was on Detective and he was also on Nightwing for a long time with Tim Seeley in Rebirth. So I'm very familiar with the way he tends to draw. I think he was also actually on Batman and Robin Eternal and Batman Eternal itself. So I think that's why I'm sort of sensitive to his style. And of course, Guillaume March I've known since he did Gotham City Sirens. He's, he's really distinctive. And I like both of them. I've developed a bigger appreciation for Fernandez since he started working with Tynan in Detective Comics, that last arc, Batman Eternal. And I think that they they are different, but they complement each other to me. Maybe because I know they're both Spanish or Hispanic-style artists. There, there's a fluidity of line and uh, creativity where it's not supposed to be fully realistic, it is 100% accurate to say that Guillaume March really works with those details and the cross-hatching, and there's just a lot of ink on the page, whereas Fernandez has a much more streamlined uh, space. He likes to use a lot of washes and effects like Zipatone, where it's like a, a speckled pattern rather than a lot of really fine lines trying to make a dark space. But I, I really like the way they blended here, and there is some attempts to show the unique stuff. So Fernandez draws a lot of the stuff where Batman's deducing the plan. So you see the fantasy sequences of Catwoman robbing the world and Joker killing Batman and Robin and Penguin taking over the city. Like those are all Fernandez, whereas it opens with Batman versus the designer with March. So there is that sort of flashback sequence in the beginning, but then it does switch back and forth with Catwoman and Harley and Punchline. So I think, I mean, it's probably going to be a regular thing because I do like to talk about the art and it's always going to be a thing. But we do have something to look forward to, which is that Jorge Jimenez has said that he is drawing all of the Joker War arc. And that's great because, I mean, we all loved his stuff in this arc. You know, that amazing image of the Joker with a cigarette and his, his great cover with Batman and Catwoman on the roof. He's, he's just really a fantastic artist. So him yeah, doing... Yeah. Holly, yeah. Yeah, he's just, he's just great. And I'm very excited that he's doing all of Joker War. And I think there might be some, some epilogues or maybe some backup stories that'll be different artists. But the fact that he's doing the main story is very exciting news. Next question, we have our Gadget of the Week, which is Batman's Extending Katana. What do you think of our Gadget of the Week? Oh... I didn't. <laughs> Hold on. What is this extending katana? Yeah, he just picks out a a handle from his utility belt, and then a blade goes oh, snap, 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 and it's a big full I blade. Did not even pay attention to that. Oh, okay. Um, that's cool. <laughs> it would have not much in the way of integrity, and it would break really easily. But that's great. Um, it's made of Batmanium, so it has Batman super integrity. <laughs> With super Batmanium joints that can't be hurt. Uh, that's, I mean, Batman needs a sword. I mean, you know, if he's not going to have a gun, give the man a sword. It's great. I love it. He needs a katana more, or katana more often. It, it reminded me of, and, and ironically, I watched it last night. It reminded me of the scene in... J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. When that's what Thulu, it was. I knew there Thulu was a pulls out. Yes, yeah, Thulu pulls out his katana while on top of the uh, the drill as it was drilling into the core of uh, Vulcan. That's exactly what it reminded me of. But I don't want to talk about Batman's katana. <laughs> I want to know how the hell the designer had his sword in his back when he was sitting in that big, big old. Recliner chair. Well, I think the clear answer to this is the designer also has an extending sword. <laughs> Perhaps we could say his Schwartz is as big as the other. <laughs> no, I mean, he, I, 
It's uh, it's his floof in his his hood floof is so big it, it was actually just you know behind him the whole time it's just the size of his floof because he's so big. I don't know. It's a it's it's Bruce's office chair, right? Who knows what kind of secrets that holds? That's an interesting idea, but I think that we're. <laughs> I don't think that we're supposed to ask that question. <laughs> I think it is Sorry, a, a reasonable question, but I don't think we're supposed to ask it. The off-panel uh, response. <laughs> that does actually bring me to our next question, which is, how do you Say think... Say what you think of it. What do you think of it? Oh, um, I mean, I thought it was fun. It, it makes very little sense because <laughs> either it's telescoping, which means that it should be getting ever thinner, which... Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah. it doesn't look as cool. Or it's some kind of hinges, in which case Steph's comment on structural integrity is absolutely correct. How do you have a structurally strong blade that is basically a bunch of hinges? Answer is you don't. But it's it's cool. I, I liked it. I, I mean, I know Tynan has this thing where he wants to have a new cool gadget every issue, so I, I was kind of on the lookout for it. Uh, but it does bring me to the next question which is we have a reveal that the designer is probably actually dead and the thing that has been walking around pretending to be the designer is actually probably some kind of well I mean that's my question do you think it's a robot do you think it's a zombie do you think it's a spell how do you think Joker is pulling this off well I don't know how he's doing it but it, it I mean there's no there's plenty of precedence in the story so far. Like the guy at the beginning, like who knows if he was alive or dead, but definitely he was being controlled because the designer or who we thought was the designer talked to Selena at the beginning. And then those cops that <laughs> Selena and Harley have been killing, I sure hope we're already dead because otherwise that makes Selena and Harley cop killers. <laughs> Uh, so hopefully, you know, they were zombies, uh, but, um, I mean, they mentioned they were zombies. Yeah. Well, see, like you watch TV all day, you're a zombie, right? You're not actually a zombie, but so, you know, are they just mind control zombies or are they dead zombies, undead people? So hopefully it's some kind of undead magic. Maybe he has Katana, not Katana, Zatana in his clutches or something or an evil Satana. I, I don't know. It's probably magic, although he is talking into some kind of little mouthpiece, but I guess magic can still have a mouthpiece. Yeah, I think it's some type of animated zombie, you know, not necessarily a corpse. Um, even when, when you know, Selena dug up his supposed corpse, I, I just think it's some type of animated robot, whatever, to, to look like a, a corpse. But I will say I was kind of right because I kept saying, you know, I don't think the design is going to end up being what we expect. He's not going to be any type of big time thing. And it seems like we have it. I was actually very happy that he was dead because so many times, you know, somebody dies and is and then comes back. And this character was introduced, then to- told he was dead so we didn't even get to see him die in the past. We had to see him die in the present in the past. Anyway, I was just happy that he wasn't actually there and it was Joker all along because I think it would have been just too much for there to be another big bad. And I was kind of done with designer anyway. So I was glad that he's dead. You're actually glad that somebody's dead. Well, I'm glad he's not really there. I mean, I was, I was a little over him. (laughs) Cruel. I was kind of over him when we saw that goofy design, so I don't (laughs) mind. Although it does mean that Tynan has kind of lied to us about the designer, because I think he said that the designer was going to show up afterwards. And I, it's, of course, possible that the Joker was wrong and the designer is still hiding behind the scenes. But I feel like that would be one reveal too many. I'm willing to believe that that's his actual corpse. Because Joker's the one that killed him. Yeah, I agree. I think that that makes the most sense. Which would make him actually being alive much harder. Unless he's a ghost. How do all the fake-outs in this issue work for you? We have Harley's throat being cut. We know Harley's not dead. We have Catwoman shot in the back. We know Catwoman's not dead. Batman stabbed in the leg. We know he's still going to be Batman. How, How does that work in terms of how this issue 
functions. Well, thinking back to how comics are supposed to be for the everyman, they're supposed to be easily accessible, and even though I know everything's going to be okay, I'm not a you know newbie. This is a so they can't kill off their highest, two most highest selling characters, Harley and and Batman, in in this. I still gasped. I still was like, oh, poor Harley, what's going to happen? And oh, poor so-. so I was still, you know, it. I was able to simplify my mind and found myself, you know, very excited and very <gasps> shocked. And it's more how how are they going to get out of it? So so it's not so much are they going to live? It's how are they going to live? How how could they have possibly known what was going to happen? So hopefully. I'm I'm excited to see just how they're going to survive, and how Batman knew all along that that was going to happen. <laughs> so the way I see it, Selena was shot with some type of tranquilizer, not really a <laughs> bullet. Holly neck was cut, but not the juggler, so she's not bleeding out. And yeah, Bruce got the leg in his in his artery, so he's going to leave it there for a while. I was okay with how everything played out because again it, it leads into the overall story of hey the joker the joker got you this time and you know leads leads into the the bigger story coming in in joker war so i was okay with it and and you know like like steph said you know harley's not dead selena's not dead bruce is gonna recover um and you know we just gotta figure out how they explain it and i'm sure Somewhere along the way, uh, Tynan will. I was a little frustrated. I really liked last issue. I thought it was very exciting and moved stuff along and stuff happened. This one, the only thing that really happens is it's revealed that Joker is actually behind it all. And that didn't really interest me in the same way that Batman versus the Riddler and Harvey Harley meeting Punchline for the first time did. So, I mean, just for that, there was two main events in the last one, whereas this one was just one main event. Uh, because I don't count all these fake-outs as events, because we know they're just cliffhangers to be resolved in the next issue. It doesn't change the ongoing story the same way that uh, the first meeting of a character is. Do you do you think you feel that way because of your overall feelings about Joker? That's a good question. I mean, my feelings about Joker, as negative as they are, are still more engaged than my feelings about the designer. I do not care about the designer. So, although, I mean, the things I mentioned were about Riddler and Harley. So I guess you could say that the events being about characters I find more interesting than Joker still push me towards just not liking this issue because it's all about the Joker. That's that's a good point. I, I found myself enjoying it because there was the mystery at the beginning of the arc where it was, well, what did Joker talk about? What was going on? What was the designer's plan? So the fact that Batman had figured it all out, I actually, I I mean, you know, it's not the world's most amazing thing ever, but it was a mystery that was set up early on in the arc that was finally revealed and uh, what how how the Joker kind of shocked the designer. And so I, I don't know. I think that earlier mystery was satisfactorily answered. And even though, you know, you're right, it's not the best issue in the run so far. I think it did more than just do one thing. And I like but, it. But but here's the question. I mean, do we know what the Joker's actual plan was? You know, because Joker killing Batman and Robin was the designer's plan. Because remember, Joker didn't Joker didn't want to kill mm-hmm. Batman. So I wonder what his actual plan was. That brings us to the next question, which is this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I asked this last, last, not last episode, but the last episode that we talked about Batman number 92. This more and more just really seems like the Joker War prelude. You know, like Road to No Man's Land. This is Road to Joker's War. So... Does that change how you look at the first seven issues? And also, does it really need to be a nine-issue arc? Do you think maybe we could have had a five-issue arc and then a four-issue arc or something? 
Well, and I kind of mentioned it the last time as well when we when we brought up the idea of 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 all of this being a prelude, you know, and that I I, I hope it's just not so long. So if 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 we got this entire seven nine issues in Batman, but then we also have what's going on in Nightwing, and then we you know we also have what's going on in uh, Batgirl. And they all gonna play a role leading up into Joker, Joker War. So we're gonna have upwards of thirteen, fifteen issues of Joker's plot and taking over everything. It's just that's a lot, in my opinion. I kind of agree. I kind of wish that Tynan had taken a bit more time to tell some smaller stories with the villains and maybe made it connected, but not all one night. I mean, that's part of the other thing is I think the pacing of this is really off. It's eight issues in a nine issue arc and it's all on one night. And that seems excessive to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. How do you, how do you feel about the pacing for this arc? And let's, and let's not forget this. I mean, uh, what's going on in detective. Cause we got that going on as well. And when did that take place in, in, in relation to what's going on in Batman? I mean, that clearly has to connect somehow, but it, it really depends on how this arc, if it goes directly into Joker War, or if there's going to be a little breather between uh, 94 and 95. I mean, we'll have to wait and see, but that is, there's still a lot to be said before Joker War officially starts. If it goes right into Joker War after 94, I'm going to have some serious problems because Catwoman, unless she is just shot by a tranquilizer, is going to have a bullet wound. Batman's going to have a major thigh wound with a stab by Deathstroke, who's not exactly... That's not a flesh wound, let's say, because Deathstroke is a master assassin. He's not going to hit you in a an easily healable spot. Unless he did hit him in an easily healable spot. <gasps> But didn't he tell him that where I stab you, you pull it out, you bleed out, you know, and, and Luke, you know, uh, not, I'm about to say Luke, Lucius <laughs> <laughs> needed to get somebody here quick, fast, in a hurry. So, yeah, it, it, I agree with Ian, you know, there needs to be some type of space in between to answer those questions. What is happening in tech? I'm for the life of me. Can't remember. Harvey's being controlled by Joker to lead a cult. Oh, puke. You're right. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mostly remember because I'm tired of the cult (laughs) storylines. I'm okay with it all being one night just because everything else doesn't make sense. So it all being on one night kind of gives everything else a chance to catch up quote unquote well and to be fair there are at least two issues that are largely flashback so i guess it's unfair to say everything's happening in one night because you do have a bunch of extra time it just all the one night stuff feels like we could have maybe compressed a bit of that and spread out the action over a couple more days and wait so what about the fight in secret files i guess that didn't happen the one between Batman and Destro? Yeah, that's right. going to have to happen right before yeah, it, 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 it couldn't have. in 95. It couldn't have because remember, remember in the fight, he kept telling Batman, you still don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen before Batman knocks him out. And so when you get to the issue, try to find a page real quick, but when you get to the issue where Deathstroke stabs Batman, he tells him, yeah, I told you you didn't know what really was going to happen, and that's mm-hmm. when there's, that's when there's the um, the editor's note about uh, going back to Secret yeah. Files. My head hurts so, now. <laughs> it's, just, it's so much. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's a it's lot. Page 20, where, you know, after he, where he stabs Batman in the leg, and he says, um, you know, he first thought Joker was going to, you know, double cross him. And, you know, he, 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 it's, it's, it's all crazy. So supposedly the fight in Secret Files already occurred. 
I guess we'll have to wait until it's all over and then do a retrospective, which I don't <laughs> think we'll necessarily have a problem with. So let's give our ratings for this issue. Out of five, hmm, what should we use? <laughs> out of five... <laughs> <laughs> Out of five extendable katanas, what do you give Batman number 93? Ay, caramba. Ugh. It wasn't a slog. It was fine. I, I liked the questions that it answered, even if there's so many new ones that we just realized. Abja, two and a, a respectable two and a half. I am going to go with a there was a lot of a lot of clutter in you know in the story itself but the art was good enough especially from March to make it a three for me I'm gonna go with a three as well I did not like it nearly as much as the last issue but it was still quite readable and definitely nothing bad it just I'm still frustrated because it felt to me like there was really only one beat in it even if more stuff happened, there was only one beat that had to be told for the story. And that gives us a total rating of three out of five extendable katanas. <laughs> Our bonus content, we don't have a bonus issue, we're just going to do bonus content this time, is the Joker War Checklist, which is posted over at CBR and various places. James Tynan also included this in his newsletter. The main story is going to be Batman number 95 to 100. That's six issues, all written by James Tynan IV and drawn by Jorge Jimenez with, I think, some codas and so forth. But the main story should be all drawn by Jorge Jimenez. Very exciting, by the way. Tie-ins, you have Nightwing number 70 to 75, Detective Comics 1022 to 1026, Batgirl 47 to 50, Harley Quinn number 75, Catwoman 25 and 26, Red Hood Outlaw 48, and Batman The Joker Warzone, my favorite uh, extended little spinoff because it has my favorite character in it. Of these tie-ins, which ones do you think will be most interesting? We'll probably be doing references to them throughout the cast, but we won't do direct coverage of most of them. Well, the Nightwing one has started, right? And I've read a couple of those and, you know, not interesting. <laughs> yeah, Nightwing Joker being controlled a... by Joker after being controlled by the Court of Owls for so long is just a little In frustrating. the exact same way. Literally the exact same way. I mean, a little spoiler. Joker steals whatever crystal the doctors were using to control him. And now, now he's implanting a third life story into Dick's head. It's... <sighs> <laughs> I, I I skimmed it. I was so bored. Have any of the others started? That's the only one that I know has started. I th that we could think and actually Detective Comics might have started. I mean, technically, knowing that Joker's behind Harvey's cult That's is kind true. of a yeah. a start. Yeah, That's true. The the last issue I reviewed, I guess, is it was ten twenty two. So I guess that's the start. Batgirl has not started yet. I'm intrigued because we have the hint that Cassandra Kane might be becoming Batgirl again. Ooh. And what Yay. happens to Batgirl herself seems to be pretty serious. All the covers are her in, you know, very distressed sort of situations, which I don't know how I feel about that. I'm frustrated personally with the current run of Batgirl and have been for a decade. But... I will be very curious to see how they wrap it up. It's quite possible that they cancel or end Batgirl at 50 and then relaunch it with a new something. Well, well I mean, there's so much that could be happening right now. I don't want to predict too much because I know some people are like, oh, yes, Cassandra's going to be Batgirl again way back when cause, uh, ba Barbara's chip was going to malfunction. And I was just like, that's not going to happen. But now it does seem like it might happen. So we'll have to wait and see. Harley Quinn, of course, is good. What the good book? The book was actually good when her chip was all winky. Well, I know, right? <laughs> what's going to happen? It's so interesting. And then nothing. <laughs> Harley Quinn, of course, is just going to be a battle between Punchline and Joker and Harley again, which is kind of weird since they already just finished their first battle. So I guess they're going to have another one. 
And that title isn't necessarily canon in the first place. It's kind of... I was going to say, between Catwoman and Harley, that might be a tie for me for interesting because they are literally have nothing to do with the current timeline or canon. How in the world are they going to be tie-ins if they're not even ins in the first place? I really hope the new Catwoman team brings it together because I am tired of Catwoman <laughs> they get into not a being alternate in reality machine and come to our reality where everything makes sense. Well, I mean, for, for for Catwoman, we already know she's going to be back in Gotham by 25 because at the end of uh, Ram V's story in the special, right. she's back in Gotham. But this still just... She's uh, supposed to be in Gotham already. Yeah, this <gasps> just so, yeah, this just so... I mean, nothing about how she got to the mountaintop and find Bruce. Mm-hmm. Nothing about her role in City of Bane other than what we've seen in Batman. Uh, it's just... So many plot holes. I mean, as far as the tie-ins, I mean, most of these books I'm reading and they're on my pull anyway. Um, but I really don't want to have to get Harley Quinn. I really don't want to have to get Red Hood because it, it doesn't seem like, you know, the reason why I, I, I was interested in Red Hood was to see if he and Artemis was going to get back together. And they don't seem to be playing with that right now. So I don't want to pick it up. I mean, but it it looks like... They're finally doing an event where the tie-ins matter. You know, cause, you know, in the past, you used to say, oh, well, you need to worry about the tie-ins. But it, it almost seems like these tie-ins will matter. Um, but I think Batgirl and Nightwing and Detective will definitely matter. I have no idea about the other ones. And, of course, the Joker War Zone matters because it's right. backstories of other characters. But, I mean, I think we all know that Nightwing is coming back as Nightwing, not under anyone's control in 75, which is cool, but it's also really frustrating that it went from Nightwing number 50 to 75. That's two years without Nightwing really being Nightwing. I, I, I'm just not pleased with that. And Batgirl, I hope is good. Because there's plenty of potential there, but I don't trust this creative team at all after their first two arcs, which were just dreadful. <laughs> so we'll have to wait and see, but there's a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm not going in saying, oh, it's going to suck. I'm just saying these things have been frustrating. I'm hoping this is a turning point where they're enjoyable again. In, and Nightwing has been enjoyable. It just has been still frustrating. So I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, Red Batgirl since she since early rebirth when she went on her adventures is she back in Burnside again? Not really. She moved back to Gotham in twenty five or twenty six when Margaret Scott took over, and that was about a year, so about ten to twelve issues. And I, I'm pretty sure she's still in Gotham now with Castellucci's run. Yeah, I need to catch up. I mean, from from what you're saying, it doesn't seem worth it. it. It's not really worth it. You could just listen to Batgirl's Oracle and listen to Stella's agony as she goes through them. But, Aww. I mean, I obviously have been reading them because I was doing reviews, so it's not the worst thing in the world, but it is just inferior Batgirl stuff. Even the early Rebirth stuff, which I'm not a huge fan, had more energy than this stuff does ever since Scott left. So... That's kind of the state of the Bat Family, and we're hoping that JT can turn it around. Sorry to interrupt, Master Bruce. Ringing your phone now. This needs my attention. All right. We uh, finally have some listener feedback from episode 300. Steph, would you do the honors and read our, our comments? So DC Now came on Twitter and said, uh, three hours, my kind of podcast. And he followed that up with, okay, gang, it was great to hear the shipper segment. I'm amazed that I agree with everything you say. Great minds and all that jazz. Well, you're the one we're recording it for. Yeah. And then uh, he followed it up with uh, on the website, which which is where you can leave comments for now. I think Dustin is planning on discontinuing continuing that at some point, but it is not this day. And there he says, absolutely loved this episode. It was so good to hear the old gang again. I was a big fan of Dustin, Ed, and Stella's show, but have grown to love the new hosts. 
and I enjoy the new direction of the program. Looking forward to all things coming down the line. I'm not crying. You're crying. You're crying. <laughs> I, I am very grateful for that comment. I was extremely honored and thrilled that we were able to get Dustin, Ed, and Stella because they are the ones that I remember listening to you for so many years. Uh, I did remember that we we had previous hosts, Donovan Morgan Grant, of course, one of our great writers on the site and a frequent co-host with Stella on Batgirl to Oracle. He did a good stint of co-hosting the Batman Universe Comic Podcast way back in the beginning like 2010, 2011. But for me, just because of my experience, so much of it was Dustin and Stella and their rapport. And they each brought such good things to our segments, Dustin with the the history and Ed with his love of Snyder and Stella, of course, with the shipping. So I I was very pleased that we were able to tailor that and we'll definitely try and get them again. I don't know what, what occasion we'll try and do that, but Stay tuned. We we will not just be the the Steph, Theo, and Ian show all the time. We're definitely going to mix things up sometimes. But we are your main co-hosts, and we like each other. So we hope you like <laughs> us, too. Unless and you can leave comments Steph. on our Discord or on Twitter at the Batman Universe or uh, straight on the website. Uh, you can leave comments on the most recent episodes. That's where we'll see them. And we'd just love to hear comments, good or bad. Absolutely. And thank you very much for leaving it, DC Now. Absolutely. Uh, we've already talked a bit about what comes next. We we still are waiting for that cohesiveness, but there, there's hope. I mean, this checklist definitely indicates that they're thinking about it. So I hope to see what's going on. We want to thank our Patreon uh, and other supporters. You can go to the support section on TBU and give us support monetarily you can also support us by joining our community and giving comments or even joining our writing staff and writing reviews or other content we do character profiles speculative pieces all kinds of analyses and historical pieces too our bat fan appreciation wall includes gerald green donald townsend tim garassi captain america karinas mary garrett real no deuces stanton's grave brendan roberts donovan morgan grant ed grouse rob o Ian Miller, Arturo Juarez, Stephanie Mounts, Joshua Lappin Bertoni, Hannah Gar, Johnny McCloskey, and Theo. Thank you for everyone who supports us, and we hope you'll continue listening. This has been episode 14 of season 12, Legacy 301, after the monumental 300. I've been Ian. This is Steph. And this is Theo. And we hope you'll tune in again next time for more Batman.